0: like for you just to be aware, um, Nancy Lowe will have um, surgery on Friday uh, for cancer. So you just add Nancy and Elton to your prayer
1: uh,
0: request. Uh, Elton did have um, a stroke. Was that Monday? Saturday. Saturday. And uh, at this point, there's been no side effects to that. And so I know that they would appreciate uh, your prayers. This morning, I'm going to kind of talk to you kind of out of an overflow of what uh, was going on in my heart last week, and then I was sitting in the session um, on Tuesday. We had kind of, uh, in our scheduling, had planned kind of for Sunday, this Sunday, to be kind of a fifth Sunday of worship. And so, um, and it just didn't work out uh, timing-wise. And so I said, okay, Lord, if that's not going to work out, what do you want me to share? Um, Stepping maybe just aside from Matthew, kind of, but not really this morning, and just kind of want to share some things with you. I realized last week that I brought you some things out of Matthew chapter 7 that probably weren't the most easiest things for you to grasp when it comes to not judging others, when it comes to removing the plank uh, out of your eye. And uh, so as I was sitting at this conference um, Tuesday, and I don't hear audibly voices, but there was just something that was pressed in my heart and it had something to do with something like this. When was the last time, me personally, us as a family, have repented for our judgment? Probably what I should have done last Sunday, and if for whatever reason the Holy Spirit didn't have it on my radar, I should have, we should have opened up the altar last Sunday and really challenged you to repent. Really challenged you to not be judgmental. Really challenged you to go ahead and say, you know what, today I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to remove the plank out of my eye. Because I, if, you're, if you're like me, it's really easy to see the little sawdust or a little speck in everybody else's eye, but we don't see the plank that's, that's even in our own eyes. So this morning, I'm going to do something with you as we kind of work this way. I, wanna, I just want to kind of go kind of back to that, but not all the way. In order to maintain the spiritual peace one ought to, you have to avoid judging others. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. And I don't know if you've pictured this, but can you imagine us walking around this week kind of like this? Susan said to me afterwards, she said, you know what, it was, I, I almost started laughing thinking about all the people that know the Lord personally, but they walk around with this big plank in their eye as they try to navigate. Yeah, let me try to get this little speck out of your eye, but there's no way that I'm going to get close enough, but by golly, I can sure judge you well. I can really see what's going on in your life. And so this morning, as we've gathered around the Word of God, and I want to just kind of start um, with Psalm uh, 51. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Psalm 51. And I realize I'm not going to use all that I used last week, but as I was thinking about this morning, and thinking about just encouraging us to look at the whole concept of repentance, I want you to look at Psalm 51, in verse 4. I want to remind you these are David's words. But when was the last time your Heavenly Father heard you say these words? Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justify justified when you judge. I realized this morning as we come to our time together and I I throw up this word, repentance. Most of us, when we think about repentance, probably haven't really thought a whole lot about repentance except when the day that we said, you know what, I need a Savior. The day that I recognized that I was a sinner and not just recognize that I was a sinner, then you made a decision in that process. You said, you know what, I believe. Believe what? That Jesus' death on the cross was the only payment that would fulfill your sin debt totally. And then later on, if you go along in life, you'll confess that. People will hear you say Jesus. People will hear you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I've accepted forgiveness of my sin." But what's interesting is, if you really think about repentance, you probably haven't thought about that word until the, that, when it was, whenever it was. We haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about that word. You know, I thought about it. When I think repentance, I think about Birds, First Missionary Church, Paul Pat. And so as I'm sitting at this conference, it's like the Holy Spirit said, Now, wait a second. Yeah, you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you've, if you've never admit, believe, and confess, if you've never said, You know what, I... Admit that I'm a sinner. I realize that most of you in here do not like to admit anything that you've ever done wrong. Okay, But you need to grow up and say, you know what, I am wrong and I need to admit that I'm a sinner. Because history proves that somebody was willing to die on a cross for your sins. Not for a lie, not for a myth, but for your sins. But three days later he rose again. Do you believe that? Have you accept that? Have you received that? I ask you another question. Psalm 51, 4. When was the last time God heard you say, I have sinned against you? When was the last time that you as an individual, and I, <laughs> as we shared last week, I don't want you to think about anybody else but yourself. Okay? When was the last time God, the creator of heaven and earth, heard these words from your mouth I've sinned against you God I walked contrary to scripture God I was just living to satisfy myself God I was just living for my preference so this morning as you're sitting here can you remember the last time you came to him and said you know what father I need to repent because my actions were in direct disobedience to the Word of God. I chose the things of this world instead of the truth of Scripture. And saying that, it's interesting as you think about Matthew and kind of where we've been, and you think about repentance that was really Jesus' message. He didn't go around promising people things. He didn't go around say, hey, if you want to have eternal life, just, just show up at church. And I, I'm not asking you to work. I realize at times there's times where repentance is a work. I'm not talking about that in salvation, okay? Salvation is by faith through grace of our own Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, Okay? I, understand, I got that, and I want you to understand that. I'm not saying to you, oh, if I work, I get eternal life. No, no. Ephesians chapter 2 is very clear. By grace, you've been saved. Through faith, it's not of yourself. It's a gift. So if you've accepted the gift, when was the last time you went back to the gift giver and said, you know what? I'm wrong. When was the last time you went back to the gift giver and remind yourself that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and he has a job for you, Go do the job. In His strength and in His power, go do the job. So if you just go back with me to Matthew chapter 3, and we'll kind of run through this. So I just want you to just, just remind you, I won't go into a lot of the detail, but Matthew chapter 3, pick it up in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert and saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And a voice is calling in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. John clothed himself with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Anybody went to listen to anybody preach to wear camel's hair and a leather belt around their waist? Guy in a wilderness, what's he preaching? Hey. Give me this and you'll be happy. No, this is the message he's going to preach in the wilderness. This is what he eats. He eats locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan, confessing their sins. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he, sinned, when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when he saw the church people, when he saw the goody two-shoes, when he saw the people that should have known, repentance should have been part of who they are. You know what he says to them? You brought a vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up the children of Abraham. Repentance. What's interesting? What's interesting? The decision that you made whenever that decision was to say yes to Jesus and repent, to say, I'm going to accept this free gift, that should be producing fruit in our lives today. See, that wasn't just something that I did when I was a bird and then I, I just go about my life. No. That repentance and my repentance today and my repentance tomorrow should lead to fruit in my life. I should look differently. There should be some actions that are different. There should be some words that should be different. There shouldn't be so often that you see the plank in my my own self. It should be less and less about my preferences, my opinions, about my pride, about our pride. He also says something in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus' words coming out of the temptation. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom is near. Which is message. Part of it. And then in Matthew chapter 7, which we talked about last week, and you can go over to Matthew chapter 7, in the very beginning of Matthew chapter 7, His words to us, Do not judge, or you will be judged. Don't be the one walking around with the plank in your own eye. Incredible word picture. Don't do it. But it comes natural, right? Is that true? It comes natural for all of us sitting in this room to point the finger somewhere else rather than coming back to ourselves. It's natural. But as we grow in our relationship with Christ, let's learn spiritual maturity. And a spiritually mature person stops going that way and starts looking inwardly. And guess what? Just because you're older in age does not mean that you're spiritually mature. So this cuts across age barrier now. This is this flat-out spiritual growth. If you're judging people, you're wrong. Now, I realized this morning, if this is, it's not the slide I want next, but I'm not saying to you that if somebody's involved in sin that we don't approach them, okay? I'm not saying that. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is your preference for somebody else. That's sin. When you judge somebody else. I'm not talking about when you read in Galatians chapter 1 where somebody's caught in sin and we move towards people and say, hey, you're caught in sin. Let's rally some people around this individual and bring them back to church. Bring them back to the cross. Walk with them until they say, you know what? I understand. I'm caught in sin. I want to be free. Who's going to set them free? Jesus. Take your Bible and go to James. This is where this kind of gets convicting. And all of you are going to pretty much know what I'm going to say, but it's really interesting when we've been asked to remove the plank out of our own eye, when we've been told not to judge, now we know biblical truth, okay? So now you go to James chapter 1 and look at verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So have you heard the truth? Matthew chapter 7. Be quick to listen. This is why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Okay? Quick to listen. What does it say? Do not judge. Don't do it. Do not set yourself in the place of authority of God. It's not yours. You didn't create me. I didn't create you. You didn't create your spouse. You didn't create your neighbors. You didn't create your grandchildren. So don't judge. Again, I'm not saying to you, if your grandchildren are at your house, I'm not saying to you, don't correct them. If you... And maybe these words need to be for you as grandparents. Some of you, us, I'm not a grandparent, but I know what my daughter's going to say to me, if, or my son was going to say to me. You need to tell them no. No, that's not my responsibility, that's your responsibility. But at times, I was, we were talking to somebody at the airport the other day, and the, this lady was watching somebody else's kid, and she was the bad guy. And the little one didn't like her, and we're like, well, what, what happened? Well, I told him no. I'm not saying don't correct your grandchild. I'm not, telling you, not saying don't tell people no. Don't, don't hear that this morning. Be quick to hear that Matthew chapter 7 says to you, do not judge. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Now drop down to verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so what? Deceive yourselves. But be... Doers of the Word. Whoa. I kind of just like you just read Matthew chapter 7 and just say, you know what, don't judge. But you know what's really, what we're saying is, obedience is easy if you know how to listen. John 14 verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. So there's a temptation, not only for for you, but for me. There's a temptation to walk into a building, have the Word of God open, and there's a temptation to just hear the words. And some of you heard the words last Sunday, and it it bothered you. You walked out, and there was conviction. I understand that, okay? that's what There was conviction last week, and then the Lord has just done a freeing of my heart, working my way through Matthew chapter 7. It's been awesome for me, okay? But I don't want to be a pastor and I don't want us to be a family that just comes in and says, you know what? We heard the words. No, I want us to be a family that hears the words and then says, okay, Holy Spirit, produce that in my life. I want to live a life of obedience. I want to say to my Heavenly Father, okay, Dad, here I am. You sent your son to die for me. You know I'm a mess. You know I'm a schmuck. You know all those things about me. You know who I am. You know I can't do this. You know I can't produce the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, self-control. I can't produce those things. I can't even act like Jesus unless the Holy Spirit does something inside of me. So Holy Spirit, I know the Word of God. I know what you want from me. Matthew chapter 7 says, do not judge. Um, Galatians through the Spirit. Okay, there's different things. Holy Spirit, help me remove the plank. Holy Spirit, help me act like Jesus. I want my actions to replicate Jesus' actions. How is that going to take place? I'm glad you asked me that question. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and does what? Continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. How is this going to take place? It's going to take place if you and I intently look at the Word of God. This is going to have to be more than a five-minute thing before you walk out the door of your house. This is going to take a little sweat equity. This is going to take some time where you sit down, whenever that might be. Some people like to do it early in the morning. Some people can do it at lunch. I don't know. Whatever works best for you. You sit down with your personal time with Jesus where you open up the Word of God. And you look intently. I would encourage you when you do that <clears throat> to have a notepad of paper next to the Word of God and all the crazy things that you can never remember that what you're supposed to do, when all those things come to you when you sit down with the Word of God, just write them down on a, on a separate piece of paper because you're going to forget if you don't write them down. But it's amazing when I want to spend time alone with God, all the things that I can remember, all the things that I didn't get done or all the distractions that come my way out of nowhere. So Just advice, take a piece of paper, write it down. And then leave it and go back and look intently at the Word of God. If we're not individuals that look intently at the Word of God, we are going to be spiritually weak, immature believers. And I don't know about you, but somebody that was willing to give his life for me, when I see him face to face, I want to say, okay, look, I put in some energy and effort into this. I want to thank you with my life. I don't want to stand in front of you and not have, when I don't want to stand in front of Jesus and not think about 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul is being talked about being poured out like a drink offering. Say, well, can you you just give me a couple more years? I'd like to go back and be re-poured out because I was kind of living my life on preference. And I wasn't living my life in reckless abandonment for you. I was living my life for convenience for me. I don't want to do that. So now, as I have time on this earth, you've been given a gift today. God ordained this day for you, Psalm 139. It's your day. You'll never have it again. Use this day. Sorry, something's going on with my computer. here. Okay, here we go. Use this day to look intently into the Word of God so that your life demonstrates it by its action. So I'm going to ask you today, again, when was the last time you repented? When was the last time, Psalm 51, verse 4, those words came out of your mouth to your Heavenly Father? Now, also, I want to say something next, because I realize over the years, people have said words to you. And so over years, there could be some of us sitting in this room that we still allow words that were said to us 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years ago, still affect us today. I realized this morning as I look, think through the Word of God, I think about Proverbs chapter 8 and verse, you know, 21, so, or 18. So take your Bible, go to Proverbs eighteen twenty-one. 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Interesting, for the first time, I never really thought about Proverbs 18, 21. I've thought about life and death and the power of the tongue, but I never thought about verse 22. When he finds a wife, finds a good thing, and receives favor from the Lord. I'm not saying this all, you know, but it's interesting, if you think about a marriage relationship, life and death is in the power of the tongue. But also in saying that, some of you or some of us have been cut by people's tongues over the years. And as I've been studying through Matthew chapter 7, and maybe this God has just led us down the book of Matthew so that the Lord could get me to Matthew chapter 7 and actually spend some time thinking about it. But for the first time I've realized in ministry, and we've been involved in ministry for a while, People have said things over the years of ministry for a while. And you know what I realized for the first time? That was their preferences. I wasn't living in sin, it was their preference. Boy, I tell you what, it's like somebody took off 25 or 50 pounds of weight off my back. Somebody would say things to me, and I'm thinking, where did that come from? Got it. It's their plank. It's their preference. It's like, wow, thank you. That was awesome. So for the first time in, in 23, 25 years of ministry, I've actually come to the realization, Ooh, I'm free. Somebody will come to me and they'll just, brrr, they'll just dump it out. It's like somebody, I like Susan says, I have a sign over, just tell me your story or I'll listen or whatever. And it's just like, poof. And I'm not against the people approaching me. I don't mind you come saying things to me. But now I'm going to be listening through a different lens. I'm listening through a two-fold lens. Holy Spirit, is there something in this for me? Holy Spirit, are they coming to me out of their preference? Because if they come out to me out of my preference, I don't have to do anything. I'm free. It's their issue. Now, I'm obviously not going to go back to them and say, you know, I really appreciate you coming to me in my preference and your preference. So, by the way, pull the plank out of your eye because I don't want to listen to your preference anymore. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to do that. But it's like, yes, I get it. And so as you think about words, we need to use our words carefully. James chapter 3, go back to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verses 9. Look at verse, James chapter 3 and verse 9. James chapter 3 talks about taming the tongue. It's not possible. He talks about the ship and just having that little rudder moves this whole big ship. But then you drop down to verse 9 and you read these words. When with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. Now, isn't this amazing? With our tongue we praise our Lord and Father and. And with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Think about your words, because isn't it easy to sit in here? Oh God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. And then if you go out there, why are they parked so close? Isn't it my turn to go next? Why did those people get... sit? We were here before they were. Why are they sitting down before us? How'd they get their food before us? Will they ever bring me this bill? I mean, this is crazy. This is like the worst service we've ever received. But we just sat in church saying, God, we love you. And so this morning... Maybe it's just, we just need to pause and say, okay, Lord, maybe we've got some sin issues. I'm sure n- nobody else has this issue other than me. But most of us, the time we don't stop and say, okay, Lord, I, I've got a sin issue. And in saying this, two things, two ways here, okay? It's sin for us. If we're not, and I'm not going to put a time frame for this, okay, but I want us to be quick to run to our Heavenly Father when we know we have done something biblically wrong. When we chose our preference over the truth of the Word of God, I want us to move quickly to the cross and say, Father, we're wrong. On the other side, when people say things to you and I, we need to be quick to forgive, even if it is their preference. Because if we hold on to that, we're hurting, hurting me, I'm hurting me, you're hurting you, guess what else, you're hurting your house, guess what else, you're hurting your neighborhood, guess what else, you're hurting our family. Because bitter people don't pour out joy, they pour out bitterness, right? Right? So this morning, as we've, we've gathered around these passages of Scripture, I want us to go back to Psalm 139. And I won't you know, stay here long when we're going to end this um, in just a second, but Psalm 139. And this is one of the psalms. I did, did Psalm 139 on Sunday night. This psalm we, was brought up in, in staff meeting a couple weeks ago, and it just keeps sitting in my soul, and I can't get rid of it. And so for some reason, the Lord just keeps bringing it back over and over and over again. So as I think about Psalm 139, verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Verse 13 says, You have created me, my innermost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All of your days were ordained by him before one of them came to be. So I say to you this morning, maybe this day has been ordained to you to help you identify some of your planks. Maybe some of those planks are maybe for us as parents is that I find my value in my children when my kids are good. Or I find my value in my children if they get good grades. Or I find my value... my children if they whatever position they hold in the band or i find value in my children because they're involved in choir which is none of those things are wrong and those are just things that we've been involved in as parents you know rachel's been part of the choir and people say well rachel's part of the choir like it's just the way god made her we've never found value in what rachel did or did not do Thinking about us as dads, and I'm really aware of percentages, but I'm not saying percentages are always true. But as I've been reading some more, doing more research, I found this statistic. And this was by a, a churchmilitant.com is the website that I was looking at they were saying to me in this website that 64% of men that call themselves Christians are involved in pornography. So I was just thinking about that. How as a dad, if I'm involved in pornography, how then can I even correct my children's anger when I've got this huge plank sticking out of my eye? How can I come alongside my son and say, you know what, son, you've just got a bad attitude. I can't get close enough because there's this stuff that's just right in my own world. 64%. And if you do that in, a, in like a, an 18 to, to like 35-year-old bracket, the percentage goes higher. In that bracket, it's higher. And I'm not saying that there's that, anybody in this building, but I just thought that's an interesting statistic. Be aware, just think about it. But really what the Holy Spirit jumped out of the page to me is how can I as a dad correct my children if I'm still mad at my whatever happened twenty-five years ago? If I'm still angry at what somebody said five years ago. How can we be a grandpa that comes along with our grandchildren and say, hey, let me show you this incredible Bible verse when we just hollered at him for something that really didn't matter. How can I, as a grandpa, come along and encourage our children to be grateful, my grandchildren to be grateful, if I'm not grateful? See? So, this is really kind of an interesting, pivotal time as you think about this. And then, as I thought about, I, I thought about ladies, I was just thinking, and this is, I don't have, nobody said this to me, but I've just watched, watched my daughter. My daughter. Um, in her phone, if you pull up a tab in her phone, she will tell you, her phone will tell you what she has worn every Sunday from now until when she ever got that phone. She puts it in her phone. It's there. And so whatever she wears must be important to her. I mean, you know, I, I'll tease her every once in a while. She'll have these big boots on. I'll text her, oh, nice boots or whatever. And, and then I like to go shopping, but I don't ever buy anything for her because when I take pictures of it, She's like, Dad, that is terrible. So I don't, you know, I'll look, but I don't do anything. So I know typically, and then when she was little, I've told you this story before, she would go in, in her room with one outfit, and then she'd come out, out of her room in a totally different outfit, find the mirror, spin around five times. I'm like, Susan, what's, what's wrong with her? Why, what, why doesn't she just wear the, put her jeans on and go outside and do something? She says, because she's the girl and you're a boy. This is what girls do. Oh, that's the way the Lord knit her together in her mother's womb. Yeah. She changes her outfit and stands in front of the mirror and then goes back out again. Oh. What I find is the tendency for ladies to put something on and say, okay, now I am fearfully and wonderfully. Or they'll walk around and say, did you see what so-and-so wore? It didn't even match <laughs> oh, it's too short, or oh, those are weird those were not their colors you know that's not their color, and these are just silly things. what I 'm saying to you is it's time for us to repent. It's time for us to challenge our teenagers, and I was you know I 'm so musically illiterate of whatever's out there, and you know so I 'm sitting in the parking lot in, in in Roanoke, Virginia, and I said, okay, tell me the top five songs on, you know, and so I, I type it into my phone, and th- there are people I've never even heard of before, and so I can only read so much of the lyrics, and then I just have to say, okay, look, this is, I can't do this anymore, but that's what our kids are listening to, and it's time to challenge our kids, you say, you know what, that's not true, that's a lot. So as we leave this morning, okay, a couple weeks ago, I went to visit this guy in the hospital. His name's Stan Scuno. Sunday afternoon, I had the privilege to do a service. Stan said to me, He said, You know, I really enjoy church. He said, I think you need to open the altar. well, what if nobody comes? What if this or what if that? So what I want to do this morning, and I would like to do this for the weeks and months and years that lie ahead of us. I would like to make the most important place of our facility available to you. Not judgmental though. So if you're here, I'm not thinking the worst of you. Because I choose not to judge. And you can be here for whatever reason, and guess what? We're not going to take down notes. You know, that preacher came forward today, and he's laying down his judgment, so we need to you know, put that in the news bulletin of the church, okay? But I just firmly believe, unless we say, God, this is who I am for real. We're playing games. And if we play games, the kingdom is affected. So I'm going to close in just a you know, quiet word of prayer. Nancy's going to put some music on. And I'm just going to ask you to leave quietly this morning. Okay? But whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart, I'm going to say to you, the altar's available. And if you want somebody to pray with you, we can have some of the men and be around and pray with you. If there's some of the ladies, if there's a lady here, I'm not going to come to you, but I'd rather have another lady within our church come and pray with you, okay? Whatever's going on, or if you just want to pray just because you're praying, fine, okay? Or if you just want to put your hand on somebody and just play behind them, that's fine, okay? No longer will we as a family be judgmental of anyone that's down front. It's over. And no longer will we find value as a church of who does come and who does not come. Okay? I can't make you do anything, but I can hinder whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in you by not having enough courage to open up the altar. And So when I was at this conference, be strong, know the truth of the Word of God, be courageous, open the altar. Trust God, trust God for things by faith. That's courageous. Cry out to God and say, God, change our young people. You do it. We don't have a program to fix young people, but we have a cross. We don't have a program to fix your marriage, but we have a cross. So this morning, if you would just play it quietly, and then I'm going to pray just briefly, and then if you'd like to come and pray, you know, please uh, join us. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we can gather as a family and how you've molded and shaped us over the years. So, Father, we want to make the altar open to you and not come in fear or not come in judgment, but just say, you know what, Lord, it's time for us to pray. It's time for us to cry out to you. So if you'd like to do that this morning, I say to you, the altar's open. I would just ask the rest of you just to sit quietly for just a few minutes. And then you're welcome to stand and leave the building uh, to go about wherever you need to do. But as Nancy plays the music, and as we dismiss our time together, our altar is open for those of you who would like to come and pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together as a family today. Thank you for allowing us to pray. Thank you for giving us an altar. So, Holy Spirit, we need your help now. In your name I pray.